Darkcast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. Hola, my beautiful humans. This is Jasmine Castillo. And this is MW. Bringing awareness of murdered and missing indigenous women, girls, two spirits, the LGBTQ community, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color. These are their stories. So, welcome to Hands Off, my podcast. On the evening of April 6, 2022, Adolfo Jimenez Vega, who was 41 at the time, was found shot on the driveway of a California city home on Bancroft Court. He died 18 minutes later. On that same day of his death, early in the morning, his mother, Antonia Vega, spoke with Adolfo and had agreed to open up her home so he could turn his life around. He agreed to, but he never came back. This is Adolfo's story and injustice on his killing. Adolfo came from a family of four siblings, including himself. Nancy Vega, who I get to speak with today, grew up with another brother and another sister in the household. Their parents grew up in San Isidro. When Adolfo was four years old, around 1984, they decided to move to Teachapi, California. As Adolfo and Nancy grew older, they went their separate ways, but stayed close to each other. Even though he was many miles away from his hometown, he stayed in connection with a lot of his childhood friends throughout the years, as well as keeping a strong bond between him and Nancy. Nancy stated that Adolfo enjoyed football and weights, and you'll hear in Nancy's comments in our conversations about how he really expresses on how he was considered the best-looking brother. He valued his life, he loved his family, and enjoyed being a fairly new title, a grandfather. Adolfo had his ups and downs, like life within itself throws at us. Nancy mentioned that they had a rough childhood, and being from a Hispanic Latina background, I completely understand. The culture of upbringing can seem a little different than households of people who don't fall under the persons of color category. Something that I've mentioned in previous episodes in dealing with generational trauma and mental health. It is something that we all struggle with, some people more than others. And that is the reason why Nancy continued her education in hopes to complete her master's in counseling and later will be anticipating starting her doctoral in PhD. Unfortunately, this isn't the first death in the family. Nancy and Adolfo's older brother, Jose Torres, was actually killed in the same county as Adolfo, 36 years before Adolfo in 1986. This death hit extremely hard with the family, so Nancy and Adolfo moved with their mother to San Diego. Yet they continued to live in both homes off and on with their mother and father for the next six years. And even prior to the separating of their parents, Adolfo was young enough to remember the domestic violence in the home, which affected him later on in his teens and adulthood. Adolfo's father later abandoned him 
when his father soon took on another woman and her children, leaving Adolfo emotionally and mentally broken. He took this extremely hard and began doling his pain with drugs which led him down the path of juvenile detentions and later nine years in prison. He was later released in 2018. Unfortunately, right after, he fell into a toxic relationship that made him relapse into drugs. Even with this tumultuous situations in life, he was persistent in changing his life around and began attending at the UEI College, which provided vocational, trade, and career training programs throughout California, Arizona, and Georgia. However, Adolfo was assaulted by another person and repeatedly requested to have this person removed or have himself transferred. They denied his request. So Adolfo made the painstaking decision to drop out of his course and move to California City, California to live with his mother. He would have spurts of on and off drugs that make his life go a different path. When there were moments when he was struggling, his older brother would constantly dispute his habits on what he was going to do with his life if he continued this way. He decided to make a decision to be a transient in early 2022 because drugs were in his life and his mother prohibited them in the home. I had an extremely emotional conversation with Nancy Vega. Even though there are hints of laughter here and there, underneath that laughter is a quivering voice of pain. She has been fighting for her brother's justice since April of this year. Even though she is one voice, she has a strong heart of determination. If I ever had a sister fighting for me like Nancy does for Adolfo, I would be forever grateful that she is the voice to fight for what is right. We talked about Adolfo's past because I know that this is an important piece of his life and it means something, not just a random person. He was just a person of circumstance. Wrong place, wrong time is what the police say. I see Adolfo as another lost loved one in the darkness of this cruel world and the injustice to the justice system of the U.S. Nancy is only one voice, but at the end of our conversation, I have added my voice to her cry out of injustice. I wanted to thank you, Nancy, for talking with me because to have everyone um, informed and also to give recognition to Adolfo and his story. So I guess the, one of the first top questions I had was, um, how would you describe Adolfo? Well, <laughs> made light of the situation, always was just laughing, always trying to enjoy life. So he was always just a goofball. What is one of my the fondest memories? And it's it's always going to be him saying and throughout history of our existence was, you know, I'm the best looking brother. I say I'm the most handsome. I'm the better looking. You know, it's me <laughs> and stuff like. That. So that's the memory that I'll always have with him. You know, just remembering him calling me negra. Um, that's my nickname. It's Negra, um, and stuff. And just, you know, 
whenever we talk, can never use Nancy. That's how he would always address me. Hey, Negra, <laughs> what's up? Hey, Negra, you know what you're doing? You know, and it's like, okay. No, that's my name, but I'm used to it from growing up, you know. And it was just always him being goofy and goofball. <laughs> yeah, that is cute. That's so cute. I love that. He's goofy, Negra. <laughs> He was a uh, he was the youngest. He was the youngest, so he was the two older brothers. When we were younger, our oldest brother from my mom's he was also murdered in 1986. But he would dress up my baby brother and tell my mom that that was his baby <laughs> and stuff. So he would always dress him up. So he was always a goofball just from the beginning get-go and stuff just because of my older our older brother dressing him up and you know you definitely had some wonderful memories that is so cute I love that he was with his little guitar in his little hat <laughs> <laughs> what is that particular time you recall Adolfo was especially joyful not too long before he passed away he had a horse that he would ride and stuff and then um, he loved roosters chickens his passing, he was living on this property with, um, that had like three horses and he cared for them and stuff like that. And one of them was his and then the other two he would just care for. So he loved animals and stuff. So he was always, that was his, hap his happy place. Did Adolfo have a significant other in their life? Per se, if that makes sense. It's like they were together while out in the street and stuff like that so I met her when I found out about my brother um, passing away going out there and stuff and then um, she had posted I was like how do you know about my brother and stuff and she was like oh we were you know seeing each other we were with you know stuff like that and from my view it must not have been a serious relationship because I didn't know about it but also I don't know what you know the extent of their relationship was Do you remember a favorite story about childhood that Adolfo loved to tell? Or did you have a uh, childhood story that you'd like to share in regards to both of you sharing together that same memory? He was only four years old when we moved from San Ysidro up to Tehachapi, California. Just getting going and playing down the streets and, you know, have to be in the house before the light came on. And, you know, when it snowed, the snowball fights and, you know, just burying each other in the snow and doing the snow angels and stuffing snow down his shirt. <laughs> and so it was just a combination of all kinds of different memories. Stupid crap that I probably don't even recall or, you know, just, but we just, yeah, we would get in trouble because we would always do something to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Did Adolfo ever discuss big decisions? that made an impact in their life? Yeah, there was a lot. Um, he was 15 when he had his first child. Girlfriend at that time was three years older than him. <laughs> so that was a big decision there. <laughs> um, he got into trouble at a young age just because of what happened, you know, with our dad and stuff and him feeling abandoned and stuff. But then he was in and out of the, the system of, And I, the system is the jail system and prison system, but he made a big decision to go back to school and become, I believe it was the CNA he was trying to become, and he was going to school for that and was doing really well, and 
had videos of him, you know, doing his homework and passing. And then, uh, or one of the instructors from that school actually had reached out to me when she found out he passed away and stuff and kind of shared some of her memories and his goofiness there with him and stuff and sent me some pictures of him when he was there and stuff. So that was one of his major decisions. And then he was only married once and they had a child together. So we went out to Las Vegas for the wedding and stuff like that. Remember staying at the stratosphere and doing all the whole caboodle thing for the wedding for them and stuff like that. So there were some major decisions. If Adolfo was to hypothetically, um, if he was able to drop by, if he was still here today, and he visited you, what would be your ideal day you spend together would look like? <laughs> I wish I could have a day like that. Be giving him a big hug. Giving him a big kiss. Mm-hmm. Holding him for a while. And then probably asking him if he wanted to eat or have some coffee or, you know, do something and just try to spend the day together talking you know, just remembering things. But sometimes I think I feel him. You know, it's um, different things happen that didn't happen before. <laughs> you know, so I think it's him, you know, just telling me that he's okay and or just being there. And sometimes, you know, um, I feel like the bed, he's sitting on the bed with me. It's not a bad feeling, but it's like, okay, <laughs> what is this? So, but yeah, that would be my ideal day. Just, you know, sitting with him and seeing him and just making sure he's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I believe, I believe in that a spirit of a loved one is always with us. Always. And they always find ways to let you know that they are there and that they're, they love you and they're there, they're there to watch you. But, you know, if they're a brother, they're probably still protecting you in some way, right? So, um, yeah, because um, this particular phone is my work phone, right? So, you know how when you go to the screen and you're doing things and stuff like that, I've shown my supervisor, I'm like, look, my phone is discombobulated it's going doing this doing that and she's like wait what and I was like look and she's looking at it and I'm, I'm like I'm not I'm holding it but I'm not doing anything to it she was here by herself a couple of times and she says lights flickered on and off on her because she knows who you know that would happen and she would it was just it was a while that it kept doing that and stuff and then it stopped doing that but now I feel it you know the different things and stuff. The other day I felt like somebody kind of pulled the sheets like down on me and stuff because I kind of like to be covered up. And so it kind of, and I was like, wait, stop. I was like, I thought it was my significant other. But then I was like, wait, he's not here. He's at work already. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. He just finds every way to still let you know that he's still with you. Yes, that's a, that's a that's a pleasure and it's a gift. He loves you enough to mess with you pretty much. Like, oh, did you forget me? No, I'm still here. Wow. <laughs> I'm still here. 
I'm not, I can't forget him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't need your daily reminders to tell me you're here. I know you're here. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. I guess one of the last questions is, but I know that to hear the story about Adolfo, I know that I asked questions about his um, his past and your, and your interactions with him as being his sister. It's it's such a bittersweet, but I I would love for you to share as much as you can in regards to what had led up to the point of of his passing. April will not be the same because April 16th is my birthday. It wasn't a good month <laughs> per se, right? Um to celebrate anything like that, because then we buried him on August uh, 27th and stuff, you know. We finally laid him to you know, down and stuff. I can't say we laid him to rest because the way he was killed. Um, we're still trying to figure out the events that took place. Um, you know, preliminary started, quote unquote, last month, but the guy's lawyer, I'll keep it somewhat nice of words for him, <laughs> um, asked for an extension. So we have to go back next week on the 26th. April 2nd or April 3rd, he was physically assaulted. We don't think it's related um, just because there hasn't been any correlations or anything that would um, put both of those um, incidents together. As you saw that one video that he was in the hospital, he had his arm broken, his left arm broken. They only had a split because there was an open abrasion in his arm. And then he had um, stitches. I think it was three stitches because they had cut open his head with golf club and then on April 5th my mom and my brother were notified that he was actually in the hospital because we didn't know that he was in the hospital um so my brother had messaged me say that you know I'm the investigator I guess or the nosy person whatever you want to call it and I'm asking a billion and one questions what happened when did this happen da -da 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 -da, stuff like that he's like I don't know hold on we're going to the, we're going to the hospital from one area he was walking towards the other area Near that pizza joint in the field, he got jumped by two or three people and stuff. Um, one was younger than him, one was an older man and stuff. That they golf, they got the golf club. Because my brother, I mean, he knew how to fight. So it, it still took him two people with weapons to bring him down, you know. And they got the golf club and then they tried to shoot him with some type of I don't know if it was a real gun, a BB gun, what it was, but they tried to shoot him at that time, too. I don't know how he got away from that situation, but a lady that witnessed, that he says that she witnessed the whole event. And then on April 5th, my brother and my mom went and picked him up. They were they went back home. I'm not sure where he was between the night of April 5th to the morning of April 6th, but April 6th, he came back home to, mom, to mom's house. Um, he showered, made some phone calls, you know, did thing there. Him and my mom had a conversation and stuff and, you know, ready to come back home and stuff like that. So they had agreed that, you know, <laughs> he would be back. He was going to go grab his stuff and whatnot. Um, my mom dropped him off a couple blocks down the street from, him, from her house and stuff like that. And then from there, she didn't know what happened or anything like that because she made it up for him. The police had her door um, and told her that he was somewhere that he shouldn't have been. Claimed him right there and then. I don't know 
exactly what time the notification was because when I got called, it was almost 11 p.m. Uh, my brother called me and stuff and told me that, you know, he was like, Nancy, I was like, what, what's wrong? He goes, Adolfo's dead. I was like, wait, what? And I just kept repeating that. And he's like, yeah, he's dead. He's dead. And I was like, what? Where? What? You know, they were waiting for the notification before removing my brother's body from the scene. Um, she just told me that he had been killed um, and couldn't give me no further information. I think out of the whole department, I think that dispatcher was the only one that was quote unquote nice or had good bedside manners. Um, she told me the detective's name that was in charge. That's the same detective my brother mentions that harassed him. While I was talking to her and she was getting my information, she did notify me that the coroner was, uh, that they had um, put my brother's body in the, in transporting him and they were taking him to Bakerfield, California. So I, as I was talking to her, I was relaying messages to my brother and stuff like that. So he was trying to drive around town to see what was happening because just down the street from him, I guess there was another situation happening where there was an ambulance and fire truck, whatnot and stuff. So that it was at that home that he was killed at and stuff. So then I started looking on Facebook and whatnot the next day and kind of just trying to figure out what happened because the police never went to my mom's house. Police never talked to my mom. Nobody has ever talked to my mom about the situation that happened. No information. They never went and questioned her on why he would be in that area, if he knew anybody in that. Nobody ever came out, questioned her. Nobody said anything. To this day, that officer never even spoke, has spoken to her. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. To this day, that that officer has not spoken to her. Mm. Uh, I think the case is was done on a bias part of it, just because, you know, how did, how did they identify my brother? Because I'm assuming the identification of my brother was done by the police officer that my brother mentions that was harassing him. He was just going, you know, going on and on about this officer and stuff. So I think he's the one that identified him because my mom did see the body. Nobody saw the body until it was the day of the services. On Thursday, the 7th, you know, I kept waiting for a phone call. My mom called. My mom and my brother had called and left a, a message for the officer to call them, you know, and stuff like that. Um, to that cop, asked him a couple of questions, and he told me I had an attitude. Uh, like, how do I have an attitude? Somebody that's grieving, trying to process what's happening. Transferred me over to his sergeant. His sergeant at least has been bedside manners to have a conversation and, you know, um, provide his quote-unquote deepest condolences, you know, for what happened with my brother and stuff like that. I made a complaint on that officer because of his bedside manners and just, you know, there was no need to tell me that I hadn't, no need at all. In disrespecting him and the way I was asking questions and stuff like that. He became defensive when I asked him if he knew or had relation with the person that killed my brother, with the person that the property my brother was killed, and or any association to the other man that had assaulted my brother. You know, I think he just became defensive over that. He kind of laughed and told me that I shouldn't believe what the streets are 
believe the police officers. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to just believe you just because they're telling me to believe you. And especially after telling me I have an attitude. Come on. <laughs> you know, the thoughts that go through your head at that moment and stuff. And it's just like, you just want to, you want to make a change. It's like, have them retrain. You know, I understand that it becomes so mundane for officers or anybody that's in the field of listening, observing, you know, watching these horrible things that happen to people. And it just becomes a routine to them and become, you know, desensitized, no feelings, no nothing. But if it doesn't happen to you, you won't understand until it does. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people have that judgment or bias of, well, your brother was this or your brother was that. Yeah, we've never hid what brother was or wasn't. Regardless, he was murdered at the other day, and that's what we have to focus on that. Why was he murdered? He was murdered in a cowardly way because it was not even a self-defense killing. You know, my brother was walking away. As I shared that um, news article with you, you know, the guy stated that my brother was walking away when he shot. So what happened in that moment that you felt you had to make the decision to kill somebody that was walking away from you? it's like there has to be more to the story but to really know that we're going to get the answers we want i don't think so because you know that coward is going to try and protect himself you know from going to prison and whatnot well, the only person that can really tell us it's him because you know brother's dead he can't tell his side of the story you know i've shared videos of me going over to the home i didn't go over immediately I was there Monday, he was killed the Wednesday, I was there the following Monday, and I videotaped the home that he was killed at, and that man said that my brother was trying to break into an abandoned home that wasn't even the man's property, that he saw my brother, went and grabbed his gun to confront my brother. So you already had something pre-planned because you went and got your gun. It wasn't hurting any other human being where I could see you know, him being like, well, I went to defend the you know, there's no justification that you can give to say that is a reason why he killed him. The officer is Caucasian, right? Um, the man that killed my brother is black. You know, we're brown skinned. But what gets me with that officer and the other sergeant that called me to tell me that his his officer did not do anything wrong in the way he spoke to me. And then proceeded to tell me that that coward was a pillar of the community. It was just unjustified for one, the officer or the detective that was handling my brother's case. He already had a history with my brother. So they should have taken him off that and put somebody else that was non-biased. Two, my my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, he's Caucasian. He called because we kept, you know, my, my mom told my sister, you know, Nobody's called us, all this stuff. So my brother-in-law is Caucasian. He called and left that detective a message and told him who he was, explained who he was. And also in that message, verbally stated, I am Caucasian. Please give me a call back. And guess what that officer did? Called him back and told him that he was in communication with the family or the next kin, which is a bunch of BS because not to this day has that detective ever faced us never faced us even when we went down to the police station he never showed his face so to me 
that's a coward. Yeah. You know, I don't care who you are, what badge you wear. If you don't have nothing wrong, if you don't have nothing to hide, why could you not face us as the family and tell us that you were the detective in charge and that you were trying to solve what happened? Exactly. You know? Exactly. He just already, you know, Mm -hmm. blamed my brother for being killed, probably did all this other stuff and just victim blamed my brother from start to finish. Very bad police work. (laughs) Absolutely. Like you said, really bad bedside matters. 100%. 100%. You know, and Um, then that other sergeant was like, you know, you need to be careful what you say and stuff like that. I'm like, I only put out what facts I get. I go, I do my research. So I put out facts. I go, I'm not going to just be talking out of my, you know what. And he saw, well, you know, being a small city and stuff and the police that we have. Yeah, you have a rotating door of police officers. So first off, let's go there. I go second off, you don't have a chief of police because he resigned. I wonder why. I go, you still don't have a chief of police. I wonder why. I go, so if that doesn't say volumes of how you police there, then let's bring up, yeah, you may not have a lot of uh, murder or a lot of um, unsolved murders, but you still have unsolved murders. You have things that are going on that you guys did incorrectly in the investigations of the two Oren boys that went missing that your city, your town, officers were to investigate correctly and did not investigate correctly it's a small town so you can't tell me it's like a big city where yeah you know there's a lot of suspects or a lot of places to do or hide or whatever it's a small freaking town half those homes are abandoned and boarded up so don't tell me that you cannot figure out what the heck happened to all these unsolved murders or all the all these other cases not proper not wearing the gloves, not identifying all the evidence, probably mm-hmm. automatically assuming, oh, this is just a, a a family dispute when it comes to find out that they literally trampled over all this evidence and it became later on down the road, hypothetically, a homicide or, mm-hmm. or something else. And they, oh, they'll, they'll clam it up to, oh, it's a suicide, knowing that the, and I mean, you can literally see all the evidence on the body and they're like, oh, we'll just mark it up as that and it's I've seen it so many times it infuriates me how sloppy to say well you know I just don't I want less paperwork to do so they'll just mark a box and then they think everything's done no one's thinking that the family is just going to sit there and take whatever they feed them Mm -hmm. I'm sorry no 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 not Nancy (laughs) not Negra she got something to say and she will tell you, you know, what I will because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I go out there all the time anyways, but um I literally drove from the right aid that sits on California City, because that's where my brother was last quote unquote seen, left the area because of the receipt that we got back from his personal belongings that he checked out at 645, you know, and stuff like that. So to walk from that Rite Aid to that house where he was killed would have taken him anywhere approximately from 18 to 20 minutes. So he left at 6.45 p.m. The 911 call supposedly came in at 7.11 p.m. He was pronounced dead at 7.29 p.m. So where what happened between 6.45 p.m. and 7.11 p.m.? 
because for him to be there just a few minutes and already be confronted and killed or whatever, I mean, I can go every which way possible with this scenarios and stuff, but I'm trying to stay with the facts and stuff, not trying to, you know, let my mind go, well, mm-hmm. this or this or that and stuff like that. It's like, but how can we not let our imaginations go when nobody has talked to us and told us anything? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. My know. mind, my mind is already going like, was somebody actually following him out of right, right aid? Right. Did someone know his schedule? Did someone, you know, or was it that guy? He picked him up from right aid and took yeah. him over there and then said, you know, made up whatever story he wanted to make up. Yeah. So my mind is going crazy. Like if, you know, you can stop what, right where you're thinking. And I might, I might pick up right where you're thinking yeah. and, and be like, I don't care. My mind will be going like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? What about yeah. this? Cause he, he, it's like, you have more questions than answers. Yeah, exactly. Because when I brought up the receipt, every time I brought up the receipt, it's like, wait, what? And it's like, wait, what? You don't know that this happened? He had a receipt that wasn't documented. This time was not documented for you guys to go back to that writing and get the damn video cameras, you know, recordings. It's like, if you did not do that, then that was really bad police work because we should have known if he was walking or if he was picked up by somebody. Right. And in a lot of those places, the CCTVs, they hold them for 30 days and then they, they, they delete them. Mm-hmm. So there's, I'm not saying it, that this is the scenario, but I I've seen it. I've read it. I've heard of it time and time again, they'll wait at the 31 day mark to request yep. a video that's been re-recorded over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you knew what you were doing yep. and that infuriates me even more i swear i i'm gonna be going all ballistic over here yelling outside of my house people are like oh there goes jasmine again no <laughs> nothing new <laughs> nothing yeah new. no definitely i mean i agree with you because you know um that coward was supposed to be arraigned on that friday because on april 6th he was killed right they got his confession or whatever they did with him at that moment. I wish I could hear the interrogation um, interview. I think April 6th was a Wednesday. Thursday, he was arrested. Yes, April 6th was a Wednesday. Thursday, he was arrested in the morning, officially arrested. Friday, he was bailed out or released from jail because at that moment, the district attorney, want to say rejected, but due to what was on the report. So the report wasn't correctly completed or whatever, because they asked for California City Police Department to go back and investigate further and then resubmit the police report. So again, here we go back to my original point. There was a lot of bias and a lot of non-policing being done, because if you did your job correctly the first time, the district attorney would not have told you or rejected that report. Since then, that coward has not been in jail because every time he has bailed out, he sold his house. Mm. I had posted that on TikTok that he was selling his house. Somebody reported me to TikTok for harassment. And I was like, how am I harassing? I'm just reporting actual facts. And Mm. this is my opinion, my statement. It's a freedom of speech. I can say what I want to say. I'm not down talking this person that I'm not degrading him in any shape or form besides calling him a coward. I'm not saying anything about his wife, his current wife. I'm not saying anything about anybody. 
but stating the facts that this person's house is being sold. And it's sold quickly. I mean, quickly. If you look up California City, California, and look at the real estate there, you're going to be like, how did this person sell this house so quick? Mm. With everything, I, I want to thank you, Nancy, for taking your time out of today to talk and to share Adolfo's story to the listeners. Is there anything that I might have missed that you'd like to share additionally that you were able to share? Like some, any I have questions? a petition. Um, it's on change.org. Okay. I think I sent that to you. And it's not... My my reasoning for speaking up for my brother is one for him to get justice because he did not deserve to go out the way he did. Um, two is to help other people in the same situation learn that they have a voice to speak up. Don't let the system tell you or cover you up or silence you because they're saying, oh, don't do it. You can't do that or can't do this. There's different ways to speak up. There's different ways to advocate for your loved one. And there are so many that need it. So many that need it. They do. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And then let me know if there's anything else that you'd like to add in this show notes. And I'll go ahead and put that in there. Okay. Uh, well, I appreciate your time. And thank you. And oh, you thank you. Thank you so much. And Dios en diga. So I appreciate it. Igualmente. If you try to look up Adolfo, you only see a few articles. Why is that the family has to pick up the pieces after a person completely shatters their whole world? And what's with these games that are being played with the justice system and the law enforcement? We are all aware that there is something wrong and how a life of a family member or a loved one is swept under the rug. California City Police Department do better. And for all my other listeners who want to support the change, I will have a petition in the show notes, as well as any additional information to help stand beside Nancy Vega and other family members that have gone through the same pain. And from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Thank you for listening to Hands Off My Podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to support the mission, I do have a Patreon membership that will help the cause and bring more detail on cases and stories from the people of color community. If you yourself has a lost loved one or a story suggestion, please don't hesitate to contact me at email. Handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com and if you are only able to support in another way, please give this podcast a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify and continue to listen to upcoming episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast. Dios te bendiga.